Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. Tim Priester here from Irish Illustrated with Tim O'Malley, a surprise guest today, Pete Sampson. We didn't think he would be joining us today. (laughs) He normally is with us. He wasn't last week, but he is joining us uh, from a mobile site where it's it's summer camp season. And I don't mean Notre Dame recruiting camps. He's he's uh, he's said any parent can relate to what I just said. He set up in his office with four doors and uh, in his vehicle is what I mean. But anyway, we uh, yeah, a lot, certainly a lot happened at the end of last week when it was announced that Jack Swarbrick would be departing after 15 years as Notre Dame's vice president and director of athletics. That will happen early in 2024. He will be replaced by Notre Dame 1993 graduate Pete Bavacqua, who I don't know. Pete, have you ever crossed paths with him, Tim? I have I have not. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about him. Yeah, um, so but but um, I've, I've never, never crossed paths with him. Yeah. I, you know, obviously highly respected uh, within the business. We'll talk about uh, as a background as an attorney, which uh, <clears throat> I think more and more is becoming very yes, not, not relevant. Not it's, it's more mandatory than relevant almost. Yeah, no name is now now hired two in a row. And we'll get into that a little bit more when we get into questions in the second segment. And frankly, we didn't get a lot of football related questions today. We didn't get any questions about Micah Shrewsbury, and I spent an hour with him. Uh, late last week as well. So we'll get into all of that, but I just wanted to, I've ex- written two stories. There's two more to come. One of them will be today and one of them will be on Tuesday. Uh, but l- let's just start with you guys. Um, just your thoughts on the decision, the announcement, the replacement, et cetera. I, I, I concur that it's from the outside looking in, it's hard to argue with anything in terms of, Bavacqua replacing him there's there's he checks every single box it's great to hear about his accomplishments coming in and I, I enjoyed the uh I mean I reading Jack Swarbrick's comments on it that is ex- of course what I expected to say when we go th- when we go through your uh four-part article on Swarbrick Tim I I'm not surprised but I think he said about Bavacqua obviously he was going to completely endorse that and uh it's also great that it's, there's that it's, what is it six months six month uh succession in that's place really that's cool. Yeah, I think it's pretty. I think that's pretty important for well, this job as well. Said, yeah, I mean, the box he doesn't check is experience as an athletic director. But yeah. this is a guy that has been involved in uh, in most of NBC's negotiations, NBC Sports, that is, and he seems pretty well equipped. Pete, your thoughts? I mean, I thought it was very professionally done. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the transition, is kind of on on brand with how Notre Dame has done its. Um, you know, sort of coaching turnovers in some ways um, where you kind of have your successor before the first person steps down, um, you know, to get somebody who's deep inside of media, I think is sort of the next essential resume line on top of you have a law degree. Um, so I, I, that's very smart. And talking to people about Bavacqua, um, very impressed, personable guy, Um I'll be interested to sort of see how he is different from Swarbrick uh, in terms of personality uh, and sort of approach to things. But um, yeah, I think it was, it was a smart move. And if it's in some ways, I feel like they hired somebody in-house without hiring somebody in-house because NBC is essentially a partner with Notre Dame as much as it's a media corporation. When you you mentioned, go ahead, Tim. Tim. No, go ahead, Tim. When you mentioned it's on brand how Notre Dame has done it, 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 it was about as seamless as it gets, right? I, I think we might yeah. have a question on this. I'm stepping over, but there was there was barely a leak. There was almost nothing when we found out it was happening. That that is a rarity, also, and they they really, I think that's a, a testament to them and to how they had done their due diligence and they were actually in lockstep with who they wanted as well. There was no like, oh, he's someone else was spoken to about this. Somebody else had this. I, 
very rarely is it is it that seamless uh, nowadays with social media. And that was an immediate an immediate transition <laughs> over a six month period. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean Sorvik has many legacies. One of them is the fact that nothing really leaks in the media. Um, you know, it's like when you think of their coaching hires, it's it's pretty locked up. Um, he's done a pretty nice job of that. Um, much to our chagrin sometimes, but, uh, gotta, gotta give credit where some credit is due. Well, and, and interestingly enough, uh, and when, when information does leak, it frequently comes from his office because yeah. that means it's time to, yeah. to reveal this. And, and, uh, and I think Jack Swarbrick has, uh, has been at the forefront of one of some of that stuff has, has come out, but I do want to say this and, and we, we have, we barely had any football questions. It's mostly about Swarbrick and AD and, and the other thing and the other aspects involved here. But I, I do want to say this, that when I brought up to him, and this is one of the segments of the interview that hasn't been published yet. When I brought up to him about the Goog and we talked extensively about the Goog and that'll be a standalone um, story. I said, uh, I asked whether Bavak was personality slash fundraising capabilities will be, of assistance in trying to get the Goog done. And he wholeheartedly agreed with that. The guy's a negotiator. Uh, he's a, he's a big personality when it comes to connecting with people. And so for those that are pushing for the Goog, I think that Pete Bavaco is exactly what they need uh, to get that accomplished. And we'll deal more with that uh, in, in segment two, but, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in uh, what will part three, well, that'll ultimately be part four. I hate to, I hate to, you know, stretch all this out, but there's so much to cover. I want, I want it all to, you know, kind of stand alone with each topic here. You know, I mean, I went into this, I was supposed to have the interview with them last Friday. Then it was postponed. I didn't know the reason behind that. <laughs> Ultimately, the reason was that they didn't think the announcement from NBC was going to quite come yet. And so they didn't want to do the interview until that happened. Not just because it was me, but just, I, I know he had some, some other interviews as well. So ultimately we ended up having that interview and, and uh, we covered a lot of ground. I had so much ground to cover with him anyway. And yeah. then in the news of, Bavaco, I was thinking that, but obviously it would have been a lot worse if you covered all that ground on Friday and the announcement was today. Yeah. So well, I think I that's had, good that they, they put it back on Friday for you is good. I had 45 minutes and I finished it in 44 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was rapid fire questions and, uh, and we got it accomplished and, and uh, he cooperated great. It was, it was, it was uh, worked out really well, but um, so we'll get, we'll get onto that a little bit more, quite a bit more in the second segment, but Nordheim, I, I did want to jump into recruiting because there were two, well, there were several uh, key recruits on campus, none more key than in Elijah rushing the properly named rush line, rush end. Uh, defensive end out of Arizona who visited Notre Dame. We heard a bunch of mixed results via Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair. Some said he was, you know, pretty low key, didn't talk a whole lot. Um, you know, I think, I think the visit went, went well for Notre Dame. They feel good about it, but he has a trip to Oregon this weekend. And we know what happens when highly recruited guys that, uh, that like Notre Dame visit Oregon, the things that can happen there, then he will conclude the month with a trip to Tennessee. He has previously visited Arizona from his home state in UCLA. Uh, his host this past weekend was Niuafe Tui Alamaka. And uh, he commented to 24-7 Sports' Tom Loy that um, Marcus Free he went when asked about NIL, Elijah referenced or, or referred them to uh Excuse me. Uh, a, a, a conversation between Marcus Freeman and his father, and Elijah himself was not involved there. But he's big. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. If you can put everything in the in the same category, but man, that's a that's a dude that comes in and plays right away. Yeah, it's um, in terms of the other schools involved. I'm, unless A and M and Miami jumped in there, I'm not sure I could think of a a, a worse group of schools for Notre Dame because it's very heavy NIL group. I mean, Tennessee is at the top of that game. Oregon is way up there and UCLA is ultimately where Dante Moore ended up. So, 
It's um, <clears throat> I think it would have to get to a point where Elijah Rushing would have to say like the differences of Notre Dame would have to be so compelling, and they could be, that he was like, I'm going to bet on the myself long, long term, um, and that's tough for to ask a 17 year old to do, um, but you are spot on that he would come in and he would play and he would make an impact on Notre Dame right away. I don't disagree with anything either of you said, except in addition to him wanting to choose hard and choose different and bet on himself in the future, I think there would have to be another collective in addition to fund to help that happen. And I would expect that to happen. That's what I was right. going to say. I, 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 I expect I, that to happen too. I'm saying right. I think that Nord, absolutely. Nord Dame, Nord Dame will offer a healthy and ideal, but yeah. healthy is relative. As Pete said, when you talk about Oregon, you talk about Tennessee, you talk about UCLA, I think the visit to Arizona is probably a formality because he's from Arizona. But those are the, those are those are heavyweights, and we'll see how Notre Dame does there. Yes, Tim. For people listening, if they didn't read it, because I I mean, amid all the compliments and all the nice things that Rushing said and and had to say, when Tom Loy writes, I haven't spoken with a single source that believes Notre Dame will eventually be the landing spot for the 6'6", 235-pounder. That's about as blunt of a report as you're going to get yeah. in recruiting. Yeah, that's tough. The other guy I want to mention, there were a couple guys uh, in town, Bradley Shaw, the linebacker from Alabama, Oliver Miles, the, uh, the three-star safety that's looking at Texas Tech as well. I want to mention Carter Nelson. I went to look at a little bit of film of him. I saw eight eight-on-eight eight football. Which, uh, which, it's which fun to look at film of eight on eight football. It just might not tell you as much, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, he's still he's a hundred. He's in the top one hundred and fifty or top one hundred and twenty. I mean, he's a le- he's a legitimate big time player. Um, you know, Georgia is probably going to get involved. Nebraska is because he is from from Nebraska. We'll see what happens there. But I did. I want to mention those two, especially Elijah Rushing, because yeah. He's big time. And and again, like, I don't, I don't like the expression plug and play. I use plug and play with Elijah rushing. I mean, the guy is incredibly appropriately named with, with the last name of rushing. Um, I wanted to, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to find. I was just, I was going to say like with the tight end, I was talking to a colleague of mine in Nebraska. So he's kind of familiar with the recruiting process there. And like, I think people in Nebraska think that he is, severely underrated like if this is a potentially a top 50 player in the country um despite the eight on eight background like he is somebody that you might not look at him and think like this is a night next michael mayor but like people think very very highly of him there probably not as tall not as tall as mayor i mean doesn't doesn't quite have those proportions but really really good football player i want to i just want to wrap up Bear with me as I as I pontificate here a little bit, but I did have a one-on-one with Mike, Mark, uh, Micah Shrewsbury. I'm going to say uh, Micah Freeman and Marcus Shrewsbury. I'm sure at some point along the way here, uh, but just a couple observations and some of the things he said. You know, and I told Tim, "Come on, yeah, you're going to tell this story the full way." <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't quite because he is so humble and understated at times that I wasn't quite sure about how I felt with, you know, with a, my first one-on-one meeting with him. I, I, I liked him. He, he obviously, he impressed, but I didn't know exactly how I felt after that interview. Well, a lot of times, and, and this happens with all of us, yeah. when you're in an interview, you get kind of lost in the interview and you're thinking about your next question. You're trying to listen to what he's saying, and you're trying to make sure that you cover everything that you have on your sheet in front of you. And I don't think that I fully grasped the conversation with him, but uh, you know, humble, but ex- extremely confident in his abilities, which is a rare kind of combination. But I think that that's an accurate depiction of who he is. Some of the things he said to me, if players don't fit your system, then your system doesn't work. You have to adapt and adjust to who you have. Now, I, it, strong, long, athletic, versatile, and skilled. He said that on a couple of occasions. And if you saw Penn State play, I mean, not a great team. They finished 10th in the conference, had a great run postseason. But strong, long, athletic, versatile, and skilled is the team that he put on the court. And that's what he intends to do. If you look at the roster they have now, they have 10 guys. It may stay at 10 because he doesn't believe in short-term fixes. 
He doesn't want to add a guy now. He even made a comment. I tell my coaches, don't find me a guy that can win us one more game next year. I'd rather play the young guys. And he has to play young. He's going to have to play young at guard. And if he does add anyone else to that 10-man roster, it will be an older guard, maybe two older guards. He didn't say that, but I would I would speculate that. Uh, he says he's a defensive guy first. He said, if you don't need a sub, you're not playing hard enough. Uh, it was various phrases like this. And as you really start to listen to him, you know, you really like um, what he has to say. The NBA influence. I asked him if he had a, a decided schematic advantage. I don't think that he was familiar with that expression. I mentioned it had been a Charlie Weiss comment, but it's for the best. Did, yeah, he did comment about. Wasn't he at IUSB when that was said? <laughs> he should remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he didn't react to it, so I don't. I don't know, but uh, you know, just the, the 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 not only the people that he interacted with, whether it was Brad Stevens or Matt Painter, mm -hmm. but the guys that he competed against in the NBA. They shoot a lot of three pointers. But he said, you know, our percentage is high because we take efficient three-pointers. Um, he's in it for the long haul. You know, I, I I didn't ask him about Nordane potentially being a stepping stone. Uh, but he, he indicated that this is for the long haul, and that, that's a big reason why he doesn't want to just add players that might hurt the, the chemistry or might just be kind of like a one-year you know, fill in just to have enough players on the roster. So I think a one year, if you remove the word fill in is important though. I'd like a one year person that will help that aids the chemistry and can help the team win four more games that, exactly. that you need. That is important. Exactly. And I, and I, and the one thing that, that people may not like is that he talks about fit over talent. Now, again, understand that he views talent as, strong, long, athletic, versatile, and skilled. And he fully intends to have a roster of players like that. Right. Right. So it's not like, oh, we're just going to pick fit and not tend to the, the talent part of it. We're going to gather talent. And clearly the 10 guys that he has now are longer and more athletic than what they've, they've been playing with. So it's a step in that right in that direction, but he is not going to do anything in one year to negatively impact what he wants to do over the long haul. Yeah. I think so. the long haul thing is like my colleague, Brian Hamilton sat down with them and he was sort of struck by like, Michael Shrewsbury knows the scale of the task at hand. Like, I think if he was on this podcast and we were in the conversation of how many years to make the NCAA tournament, he would probably lean towards more like two or three opposed to one or two. Um, like this is, this is a big, challenging job um and probably it's not one that he take shows up to work every day and be like awesome we're like we're crushing it today like the scale of the job i think is not lost on him in terms of what he's trying to build here and, and it, that it may take some time to get there yeah it will i met grady eifert i met a couple of the guys um some of the, some and some of the behind the scene guys as well, but uh, you mentioned Brian Hamilton. That's somebody I'm going to be giving a call, Pete, just to get filled in a little bit more on his insight into Michael Michael Shrewsbury. Thanks for uh, indulging me here. We'll be back. Segment two, burning up the boards. Segment two of burning up the boards. Our first question actually addresses something I stepped over in segment one. Go fight, win, go Irish. Asks when did you hear? When did you first hear Jack might be stepping down? Usually, a rumor would leak out before he announced this, but this seemed to be a well kept secret. Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, I, I first engaged in conversation with, with Jack Swarbrick in, you know, before the pandemic about right. an exit strategy. Uh, he's now 69 years old, so he would have been 66 at, at that time. And, um, you know, I think he was, I mean, you're looking for an ideal time when the college uh, athletics landscape isn't so scrambled and so many things are going on then COVID hits uh and and then you know you're dealing with national social unrest uh a, a multitude of things that then includes nil and transfer portal and and like he's been for notre dame from notre dame's perspective he's been a godsend because he's been equipped to handle all of these seismic changes in intercollegiate athletics 
So I think there was always a plan to, hey, when things loosen up, I'm going to step down. So my point is, you know, now that it's happening, because I felt like, and, and this proved true in my conversation with him, and the NBC deal and the apparel deal, not in that order, actually, the other way around, the apparel deal and the NBC deal, those were kind of the last things on his desk. Now, the Goog is still a priority, but that's not something that is going I've not heard of that. What is the Goog situation? People don't, people really haven't informed me. What's the issue with the Goog? Does there need to be an enhancement or something? Is that what is going on? Is I'm a little reluctant to say too much before the story appears. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I know, I know something should probably happen to the Goog, but I just, I was trying to find this, you know, if anybody complains about it ever to you, like they do on occasion to me, there's a problem with the Goog. So yeah. it's just an amazing. Well, I will, I'll say this, that I said, you do think that there needs to be a renovation of the Goog, right? Because I've had some people, what well, some people are misquote saying, well, he's been against it. So I said, you do agree that there needs to be a, a renovation of the Goog. And he said, well, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we'll get into the the, the timetable of it in, in the story that is expected to appear uh, tomorrow on Irish Illustrated June 3rd. To this To this question, though, Tim, I think he would have already been gone if not for the pandemic. I think there's a totally very, agree. yeah, I think there's a very, very good chance of that, but he never, there was never a jumping off point. And if he right. did jump off, it would be at the expense of his alma mater. And he felt obligated to not do that. And the university wanted him to feel obligated not to do that. Um, you know, he's, he's a big time player in all of this. Uh, not everybody, not everybody agrees with that, but as we get into more of these questions, we'll answer that a little bit further. But now, I, I mean, we were all caught by, I think, Pete, you were too, right? We didn't know it was going to be. Yeah, it's just like you knew it was going to happen either this summer or next summer, right. hundred like right. with 100% certainty. You just didn't know it was going to happen, what, Thursday of last week? Um, that was a surprise. But, I, you know, it's like the, the exit strategy. There's like never a good time in college athletics is nothing is ever stable or predictable. There's always more stuff to do. Like, I mean, the, the NIL future of the sport is that, I mean, Notre Dame needs a solution for that, but like Swarbrick can't, it's not going to hang around that long to do it. I mean, that may be five years, 10 years down the road. So now I like, Oh, I think if COVID did not happen, he probably would have retired two or three years ago. Well, yeah, that's I, what, I, or stepped, stepped away from Notre Dame, I should say. Priester, when you said you talked to him about it before COVID, I mean, that's four years ago. That was just the beginning of four. That was when, like, the big news was, oh, four-game redshirt. No-brainer. This is great for college athletics. <laughs> Since you talked to him about this, they've had the open transfer rule, the transfer portal, the pandemic, and NIL. That's a little bit different than, hey, you get to play – yeah, Arnell, at the same time, games. which well, and, I've talked to Swarbrick about this. It's like, do we really need to do the portal and NIL at the same time? Because it's like, <laughs> it's just one pours gas on the other. And then it just turns into a uh, like an existential mess for college football. So it, um, yeah, I think if if he, maybe in uh, an honest moment over like a well-aged whiskey, he'd be like, you know what? January of 2020. That's probably when I should have decided to hang it up. <laughs> yes. I, I can't exactly pinpoint the exact time if that's exactly when I had the conversation. It was pre-COVID. It was definitely pre-COVID. I, de I definitely, when one of my one-on-ones with him, I sat down and asked him, like, how much, essentially, how much longer do you want to do that? It might have been in the summer of 2019. And I was a little more open-ended at that point. Right. You know, and I think he feels good about, this is in one of my stories about the former governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, sending to the, the, uh, Head of the NCAA, I know there was a lot of uh, a, a lot of commentary on the Irish Illustrated message board about Charlie Baker getting together with members of Congress and trying to get them to intervene. Um, that is, that's probably the only way NIL is going to be reeled in. The NCAA is not going to do it. Um, they can't do their, it on their. They can't do it yeah, on they, their they can't own. Do it. And so Charlie Baker is a good lead, really, really, from what I know, a really, really good leader to step in with the NCAA, which needless to say, was desperately in need of somebody to lead that organization, which basically just threw up its hands and said, 
we can't do anything. So <laughs> to use an analogy, open borders uh, in, in college athletics. And that's exactly what happened. Question from uh, Dallas Irish 83 last year, Notre Dame had three running back. We're going to mix it up a little bit with some football, but there weren't many questions. Dallas 83 Irish 83 asked last year, Notre Dame had three running backs get 100 or more carries. Will it have that many get 100 or more carries this year? If so, other than Audric estimate, who would the other two players be and separately will estimate exceed 200 carries? I will say no, uh, vehemently. On the 200 um, carry? Wait, oh, no, on the... Well, Audric estimate, I think, will approach 200 carries, but they'll pass enough where he doesn't have to. But, like, Kyron Williams was at 200 carries in 2021, and he was at 211 in 2020. Those are extreme... 2020 is an extreme running year. Um and they played a fewer, they played a little, they played 10, they played 12 games. So one, one fewer, um, 2019, I know nobody got to 150, and only one running back got to hundred Ian book used to run. So actually Ian book took up some carries, which won't exist as much for Hartman, but there will be only one with over hundred. I'm almost positive. And I think the other guys will hit that 75 range. Um, and Audrey estimate will be pushing 200 and it would have been much different with Logan Diggs. Right. Yeah. I, th I think. Without Logan Diggs, Audrick estimate. I'm not saying he's a sure thing to go over 200, but if we were doing an over/under bet, and you gave me a little bit of juice on it, I would bet the over on 199 and a half carries for Audrick estimate this yeah. year. Because and it's also just like O'Malley made this point a couple of weeks ago. It's like kind of a smoke him if you got him situation with Audrick estimate. Because yes, yeah, he's, he's not he's not going to be here a whole lot longer, and you might as well get your 212 carries, 1375 yards. 12 touchdown season out of him before he uh, decides to take his talents elsewhere. Yeah. The fact, the fact that Notre Dame had never had three guys with a hundred carries in a year, it happened for the first time last year. So that, that alone, I would say is very, very unlikely, but all the, everything that you guys said there, I, you know, I'm higher on Devin Ford than most. I, I think he could, he could possibly be a hundred carry guy, Just uh, but a lot, of that, a lot of that depends on Darian Price and yeah. how healthy he is. To put it in perspective, though, Notre Dame's last time they had two running backs. Now, this does not include Book or Kaiser as quarterbacks. Yeah. And Wimbush was 2015, where they had two running backs go over 100 yards. And that was because they got hurt. CJ yeah. Procise got hurt, which allowed Josh Adams. Well, Josh, Ad I think Josh Adams would have basically gotten there, if not quite. He had 117 and he started two games. So he maybe he wouldn't have gotten there. But that that's just not enough. There's not that many carries. It's remarkable they had three last year. I don't think I knew they had three last year. How do I not know that stat? But that's yeah, it's incredible. Like no, no one's even close. Even like Dexter Williams, he missed four games, so they had other guys running, and the highest guy behind Dexter was 83. And he missed four games. Yeah. So you had to give the ball to someone. You know, it's pretty. I mean, you look back now, I mean, Kyron Williams, back-to-back -back years of 200 yeah. carries. I mean, that is a beast, man. Good well, Lord. Well, he went pro, too. That's why you should go pro as a junior. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, estimate estimate takes a pounding because he gives so much out. You know, yeah. it's good to be proactive as a running back. But still, even when you initiate it, you're initiating greater contact, too. I agree. I, I don't think it's a great thing that estimate gets 200. I'm just betting it. No, yeah, I think it'd be I mean, awesome I, if Devin Ford rushes a hundred times or Jadarian Price and Ford go for eighty apiece. Right, right. I'm going to say under just for the hell of it. A question from David Lopez five uh, under as in two hundred carries for us. Yes, yes. In the modern age of college athletics, do you anticipate more schools hiring people who have not been career ads to that position, or is Notre Dame's situation more unique? I wouldn't say. Uh, you, go ahead, Pete. No, I was going to say I don't. Notre Dame is more new, more unique if that is a phrase. Um, but I think, you know, you look at conference commissioners, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10 hired a TV exec. Um, that is good. That is more common now. Uh, I think Syracuse's AD came straight from ESPN. Um, it makes sense because I mean, of all the relationships the Notre Dame AD has to maintain, how many relationships would you guys say are more important than his relationship with Notre Dame's media partner? Like two, yeah, the president and the chairman of the board of trustees. <laughs> like yeah. it's a pretty small list. So 
I think the ability to maintain that relationship has become more and more and more important over time. And I think you see that in terms of how critical getting the right dollar figure from NBC from Notre Dame is going to be as it relates to Notre Dame's independence uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I think that uh, I think this is a trend and Notre Dame sort of being a conference of one as sometimes they're described as like it makes sense. I think the big players can do what Notre Dame does if Texas would be next in that situation where it's more important to have the Pete Bavacqua of Texas than it is to hire an experienced athletic director. And I think you see USC getting out of its own way, hiring athletic directors in the future too. Yeah. Well, I think with Notre Dame, like fundraising has not been a real, like I think Jack Swarbrick probably intimated this to you, Tim, when you like fundraising, I would not describe it as one of his strengths. Right. Uh, I, I agree don't with think, that. I agree with it. And I don't think he would disagree. Okay. I think Pete Bavacqua fundraising will be one of his strengths. Yes. Like, I think he will maintain relationships in a way that, you know, Swarbrick just, that wasn't his MO. Like, people have different personalities, people have different strengths and weaknesses, and I think one of Avakwa's strengths will be sort of that re- building relationship capital with people who can help fund athletics. It's like having strengths and weaknesses when one coach just doesn't coach any defense. That's fine. You don't have any defense. You have different strengths and weaknesses. You're... Totally agree with what you're saying there, Pete, as far as... um you know, as far as Bavacqua and his fundraising, and, and Swarbrick is great at a, at a lot of things. I don't necessarily think that that is one, and I don't I don't think that he would disagree with that either. Now, I did ask him directly. I I said another lawyer as AD is that going to be the 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 norm moving forward? And he he recommends that. You know, certainly. Uh, back when he was hired, the guy the name that I was throwing out uh, as a a possible a successor to Kevin White was was Rick Christ, who was a teammate of mine in Notre Dame. He's he's an attorney as well, and he was um, uh, commissioner of the Mid American Conference at one time. I caught a lot of grief because I was told that I was you know pandering to a, a, a friend of mine. Well, I didn't know Jack Swarbrick. I didn't know nobody I didn't did. Know, yeah, I didn't know Jack Swarbrick was going to be as good at his job as he was, but. Uh, my point being that Rick himself was a, is a lawyer as well. So the last three that they strongly considered have been in that role. And I think that that's what we'll see moving forward. Next question from Anon5678015 at Scout. That's, that's a lot. Elijah Rushing's dad is handling his NIL. Unlikely to end well. We have seen this movie, question mark. Um, yeah, I think your your point about nobody... Th- who did you quote? You you're quoting Tom Lloyd saying that nobody, nobody in Notre Dame has said he they expect him to land there. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's fair. I mean, I don't look that, that is kind of a one plus one equals two question. I mean, just because it happened with Dante Moore doesn't mean it's going to happen with Elijah rushing, but <laughs> you know, there, I think more pertinent is Oregon, Tennessee, UCLA, and their involvement in NIL. I don't think that it's a coincidence that those are three of the four schools that he's considering. Do you? I do not. No, he's, I mean, if you're considering one PAC 12 school in Los Angeles, it's obviously UCLA, right? Like, uh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's a concern. We'll see what happens. Uh, We mentioned the visits, the two visits he has coming up in June and we expect him to make a, announcement in july i believe correct that's uh that's what he has said yes i think that's what he has said yes exactly <laughs> excuse me question from uh cmu pence fan given that usc has had a revolving door of disastrous ad's do you think some Notre Dame fans forget how good they have it have had it with jack swarbrick at the helm of the athletics department yes but two things can be true you shouldn't have a revolving door of disastrous ad's if you're usc either that's that's separate entity from Notre Dame having a good one and other people having competent ones or decent ones or not 12 of them in five years or whatever the USC had. It's just remarkable how poorly they did. Well, when, you, when, you choose, when you, when you, when you're choosing former football players on a regular basis, you know, I, you open yourself up to that. Hey, we're not counting people. Bach was a former football player in the same way that uh, I'm not, this one no. was. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> we should. Um, yeah, I, I do think Swarbrick probably taken for granted. It's like when I was writing sort of um, 
retrospective last week on Sorberg's tenure here, I went back and dug up. I think it was the first time I had talked to him one-on-one. It was outside the old Jameson Inn, which I think is like Ivy Court now, right by campus. Oh, yeah. And it was the morning of the Connecticut game. So think about like how we view Notre Dame football today versus the morning of the Connecticut game when they ultimately lost in double overtime and Charlie West got fired a week later. Like Notre Dame football was a broken down program at that time. Um, And we definitely take for granted the fact that they, we just expect they're going to win nine, 10 games every year at a minimum. Like back then it was, Maybe they'll go six and six this year. That's that's so far away from where things were when Swarbrick took the job. And I think that that part of him more than anything to me gets taken for granted. There were 131 FBS teams last year. I think there's 132 this year of the 132 team uh, programs, athletic programs. How many of you think would like Jack Swarbrick as their AD? Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, that's, that's total speculation. I get that, but I can't believe that there are more than 10 or 15 of those institutes. No who, well, but they, but they, they love their, they AD. love their current. Yeah, their I mean, they, as well. they, yeah. they have reason to love their AD, but you can't tell me that, that less than 85, 90% of all of college athletics would not would would want Jack Swarbrick as their AD. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I don't, and I don't want to uh, sound hypocritical here. So I will say there's two things can be true, Pete, as well. You're absolutely right about the state of Notre Dame football. When Jordan Todman and Andre Dixon are both running for a hundred yards against you on senior day and Zach Frazier beats you, but most Notre Dame athletic directors should be able to guide Notre Dame's football program out of the depths they were in when they take over a job in a four-year period. Yeah, it is sort of like comparing it to USC's AD situation, right? Like, it's kind of a false floor. But, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame had been sort of in the wilderness for, like, what, 20 years at that point? So if it was that simple to guide the football yeah, program I, about that, 15, somebody yeah, else would have done it. 15 years, 14 years, 14 years, yeah. I mean, they were pretty – when Narnie was still pretty good at the end with Lou, but I, I get it. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's just that I, I don't think his greatest accomplishment is being able to pull Notre Dame out of No, I, I, th- I think issue. it's the accomplishment that gets taken for granted most. Not yeah, that's His greatest point. accomplishment is Campus Crossroads, right. and I'll even argue with Jack Swarbrick about it, but he at least <laughs> – yeah, I think he said that as much to Priester. Like, people yeah, say Campus Crossroads, but I say FIM, and I say, no, that's crazy. It's Campus Crossroads, yeah. <laughs> which, which houses FIM, by the way. You know, I uh, just an aside, then we'll move on from this. But, um, and you guys didn't know Barry Alvarez. You're not old enough to to know him, but he was at Notre Dame in 88, 89. He went to Wisconsin in 90. They went one in 10, I think it was. But when Notre Dame was competing for the national title in 93, um, Barry Alvarez won his first Rose Bowl. They went 10, one and one at Wisconsin. They had a little bit of dip after there, but then they went, then they ended up winning back to back. Rose Bowls. And I've had some people say, and I haven't verified this, but there were some things in, in Alvarez's past that, you know, I don't know. He, there weren't enough things in his past to be named the uh, eight, the uh, defensive coordinator in 88, 89. But what if they hire Barry Alvarez, a college football Hall of Famer, as a coach instead of Bob Davey? Well, yeah, that's what all of us Sane fans wanted when we were wandering around wondering what the heck was going on when they hired Bob Davey. Yeah, I mean, and he had, you know, uh, Alvarez had established himself as a Rose yes. Bowl again. I think he was coming off back-to-back eight and fives. But he also be the, the son coming yeah. home. He was a favorite son coming home to Notre Dame as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, exactly. And Wisconsin was horrible before he he took over. So, in fact, when Barry Alvarez said to Lou Holtz, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm going to take the Wisconsin job," Holtz's response was, "Oh, come on, now we can do better than that." <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> Because Wisconsin was so bad, but Lou Holtz told me that he recommended Barry Alvarez to Notre Dame and they, they went with Bob Davey. I don't know all the details of backgrounds and stuff, but as a guy, as a defensive coach who would have been a run first physical power attack, I think it would have worked quite well after, after Lou Holtz question from coach Aguiar. What would the new AD have to accomplish with the TV and apparel deals to win the fans' acceptance? If I could, mm. if I could insert something before you, yeah, please. Well, I don't. Bavakwa, I mean, he he is going to 
be at Notre Dame in July, but these are these are essentially Jack Swarbrick decisions here as he wraps up. Those are the last two things. Oh, that's true. Yeah. On his plate. Um, so you know, maybe it is what would what would Jack Swarbrick have to accomplish with the TV and peril deals? Well, well yeah, well, let's take them one at a time. What about what do you guys think about TV? What is what is the number what that would make fans accept win the fans acceptance for a TV deal? I mean, the, the problem is there that Notre Dame does not, we don't know how much they're making off of it. This is, it's purely a financial matter to me. Um, yeah. You have to make enough money that independence is still a financially viable. Um, and so that's, I don't think whether it's CBS or NBC or ESPN, like I don't think Fox really makes any sense with Notre Dame, just sort of the vibe there. But um, I think they, I think, sticking with NBC and getting NBC to come way up, which I believe that they will talking to some people who are a little plugged in there. Um, NBC wants Notre Dame, Notre Dame wants NBC. So I think that's, that's purely a financial play. Their apparel deal. I don't, I mean, I get it. If they stick with Under Armour, it's going to get panned. Um, I just think that their apparel deal and, the ramifications of it in 2014 when, or in 2023, 24, where there's the transfer portal and NIL, like it just doesn't, it's just close. Um, I don't, I don't think it makes the, the brand. I don't think has the impact that maybe it did 10 years ago when Notre Dame signed with Under Armour in terms of moving the needle. You know, I think, I think Notre Dame's ready for Nike. Nike's certainly ready for them. But I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> as it relates to the TV deal, I, you know, it comes down to can Notre Dame make as much as all the teams in the Big Ten? I, I, as I, much? As much, I doubt. Twice what they're making now? Oh, yeah, I think, I think twice, yes. twice would be almost. My hunch my, if they doubled their NBC deal, I think they would almost be a little disappointed. What what they they want? I think to... Notre Dame, Notre Dame can do better than double. Well, the next step would be triple because I, I you know I don't I can't swear that I know the numbers, but the numbers that I that have been floated by me indicate more like triple. Yeah, what that's make, what it. Right? That's sort of the the scuttle that I hear as well. I agree with you that it's all financial and close. But to answer the question directly, what would he have to accomplish? I think they would have to leave NBC because people are sick of it even though they're, whether they're right or wrong or not, I think that's what most fans would want. And it would have to be Nike to win fans acceptance. I don't think they're leaving NBC. I don't think they're leaving NBC at all. No. I'm, but if to, to get the fans acceptance, if Notre Dame went somewhere else after 32 years, the fan base would be happier. I would agree. I, I, they would. At the, end of the fan base. Would I think be NBC is a stupid decision. Right. I agree. I, I agree. But the fan base would definitely be happier if they left. Stick and with NBC, not- throw the fans a olive branch, and go to Nike. How about that? I think that That's would be a, oh, that'd be a win. I'm with uh, I'm with you. Oh, they I need mean, Brady Quinn to announce all their home games and also sit in their living room and talk to them about fund individually. <laughs> well, while discounting everything in the Amos bookstore, fifty percent. The the That's, Irish Illustrated media can't get a, a conversation with Brady Quinn. Although I'm about to try again. It is yeah. summer. You got Swarbrick done. I mean, come on. Yeah. If we can do that, right? Get me no Brady's always Brady's always been good, but I think he's been a little bit reluctant to, yep. you know, do a one-on-one and get into all the the specifics and details. Question from Peak Robots: What would the NCAA have to do to put the genie back in the bottle? That phrase I, I used in the NIL story right. yesterday. Assuming they would have to show college sports is not a business in order to establish players are not employees. What could that look like? I, I, it's not that I disagree with Jack Swarbrick that it's unfortunate they're becoming employees, but I, I disagree. It can be stopped. I don't think the NCAA has to take Notre Dame's unique student athlete relationship into account when they're making this decision. No, I don't. The genie's not going back in the bottle on this one. Um, Cause sports are a business like Sports well, are a huge, huge business. As we just talk about, the most important thing about Notre Dame's TV deal is doubling or tripling the revenue to like 
somewhere between 50 and $75 million. I mean, what kind of non-business is that? Yeah, I, I don't, I wonder if we're like when, when in using it in the headline and in the story, I, I didn't mean that NIL was going to be eliminated. The point no, was, I, I just the, firmly the believe was, that people don't care about Notre Dame's unique student athlete relationship and, and Jack Swarbrick well, vehemently deciding not to be, have them designated as employees. No, but I think, but I, I like when, when I, when we talked about genie and bottle, it means like reining it in and having some uniform NIL across the board. I'm again, I'm not saying that will definitely happen, but we're, and we're not talking about the elimination of NIL. No, that that's, that's never going back and hell it shouldn't. It, it should not. I just don't understand how you can get rid of acquisition fees because they don't have to be, they don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be on the up and up about these things. You never had to be. I, no, I don't know. You but cannot I mean, get rid of them. You can't. Charlie, Charlie Baker sitting down with five senators and four congressmen. And I, I mean, I think that they believe they can make some inroads and I, I, I guess I'm naive enough to, to, think that they can make some inroads oh That's some inroads but like you're you're never going to eliminate the acquisition fee that happened in the 80s and you can't you know, like tampering because all that stuff eliminate. is just that's just i don't know it, it's a flaw of what college sports is that's not going away. We we call the acquisition fee something different than we did 10 years ago when it was right. just like the bag man um you know if we if you get rid of the acquisition key fees you bring back the bag man like that's I don't know the 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 employee relationship is prob that's to me where the government can probably help the NCAA out the most. Um, the think, NIL stuff is like I think you can set up guardrails, but I don't think that's going to stop stuff from happening. That's happening. Yeah, cheating cheating has been going on in college football since before I realized there was cheating going on, and I've been watching college football for a long time. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I get I get that I get that. There's always going to be and even if even if even if Congress puts some stipulations into play, the cheating the efforts to cheat will still go on. Yeah, and they will get away with. And I don't understand winning. Feels like, too good not to cheat, right? And that and tampering is important to win because you have to talk to your prospective quarterback, wide receiver, and defensive end before somebody else does. Yeah. You have to make contact with these players. You have that. Why would you not make contact with the player that you know is leaving until he officially announces he's leaving? Yeah, but you, you shouldn't like, you know, when you're walking off the field after a game that, and that's and, different and a, than opponent, that is different. An opponent's coach is talking to a Notre Dame player about, you know, coming to their come on, man. Jeez. But they do it in high school all the time. Come over here. Come on, <laughs> change districts. Come play for us. Yeah. I mean, that's I just no, feel like true. tampering is never no, I, I can't true. stand when people are like, oh, I can't believe they contacted him before they had to be graduated. Are you kidding? Like, but it's been going on forever. That's if, Notre not... Dame, if Notre Dame didn't deal with Sam Hartman before his name was in the portal, he yeah, I... the Steve Angeli era would be upon you. It actually, be bucket. Yeah, it's like why? Why were we all so in tune with Notre Dame's interest in Sam Hartman? Why do? Why do we think that is? Like, that's exactly right. Uh, now you know. I mean, Notre Dame's trying to do it the right way, uh, but. I mean, Swarbrick even mentioned it. Uh, you know, we're we're in a bind. They start reaching yeah. out to us. Um, well, yeah, and if you're reaching out to you, <laughs> what do you, I can't talk to you. This is that would be. It's not even close to business, as Pete said. <laughs> it's the number one person you could hire in the world wants to come work for you. I can't talk to you until you just quit your job. It's ridiculous. If you can get part of the genie back in a bottle, that's a win. Yeah, How's that? How's yeah. That? Back in There's, time and just make nil. Is yeah, don't don't let that be the enemy of per there's no perfect solution for any of this but you can still make it better than what it is right now which is not good i think that's a good point kaiser wilhelm asks should we assume that the broad strokes of the nbc deal are already hashed out there's no way Nordin would poach their inside man before the details were agreed to right yeah i mean i wouldn't go that far but i mean look i think broad been strokes some, maybe broad strokes broad probably um and look, I think that some Notre Dame fans are a little like sensitive to like, well, wait, the Big Ten's on now there, and like, does that make us less special or kickoff times, so on and so forth? Notre Dame loves the idea of the Big Ten being on NBC, and NBC loves the idea of Notre Dame and the Big Ten being on same day on Saturdays for them. So it's 
that's like a positive for this. Like that, that makes Notre Dame more of a must keep for NBC than it, than a, well, we have the big 10 now. Now we don't need Notre Dame. That's not how they view it at all. Well, Yeah. And I think, you know, Swarbrick feels that Notre Dame's negotiating stance is better. It's definitely better now that NBC is, is connected to the big 10. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's Notre Dame. He said, yes, uh, big 10 games where you're promoting the Notre Dame game. Mm-hmm. Right. Win. Yeah. Yeah, he's all for that. And it because well, more people are going to watch the Big Ten game than the horse racing before the Notre Dame game. I don't, Notre Dame's not leaving NBC. You're, you're not, you're not going to bring in the, the head of NBC Sports. They're not. I, my point on what would make people happy was that oh, I'm not oh, thinking no, totally at all agree. they're leaving NBC. Totally I'm agree. saying what would make people happy. No. The, the, the discontent is because they don't like the, they don't like the broadcast. So they don't like the right. announcers just in general. And, I, you know, I get that. But, to Rico, he lives in Ann Arbor. Like that, that really chaps my butt. That's like <laughs> Notre Dame fans. I've never been happy with the NBC announcing team. To Rico's a, you know, the the win win situation that doesn't come up very often. No. Next question is Irish fan one hundred and two. How much say did Swarbrick have in his successor? Well, this has come up um, as if Jack Swarbrick should have no input whatsoever. This Jack Swarbrick. In Notre Dame's opinion, this hugely successful vice president and director of athletics, yes, they want his input on this. Um, you know, again, he told me that's not that's my decision. There, that's not my decision. There are other other key people at Notre Dame involved, including Father Jenkins, who, again, there's a groundswell to get rid of Father Jenkins as well. Um, what what is what has he done wrong as president of Notre Dame? I don't. I guess I I guess I don't see it as well as as other people. We, we both remember one thing, but it was eleven years ago. We were pretty mad. We will oh, self-report with, and we will put ourselves on probate. Give me a break. Stop talking well, about with that. what he said. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll put ourselves. Uh, we'll vacate the wins ourselves. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that. That was yes. That was panned by Irish Illustrated. Yes, definitely. But you know, I mean, look. You're going to, it's like the interview I do with Swarbrick. You know, we, we touched upon numerous topics, but, and it's like when he says something in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, that's going to get a reaction. Oh, that's going to get a reaction. Did he talk about Spindler or Bertrand at all? Did he bring up either one of those players? (laughs) We did not check this out. I never uttered the, I never uttered the name in that interview because of what we had to cover. I never uttered the name Marcus Freeman. Wow. No, he brought up Marcus. He brought Moore. up Marcus. Yeah, and he brought up Marcus. It. But and you're yeah. like, let's move on to other things. <laughs> what do you think uh, about Kaiser moving to the dime package, yeah. Will Backer position? Because I didn't bring, nor did I bring up Shrewsbury. I haven't had a one on one with him talk about uh, his, his basketball hire either. But there were just too many other things to. Uh, yes, Swarbrick had a role in picking the successor, uh, but it wasn't him solely, uh, and I'm sure he was a big influence as he should be because that's how he is revered in Notre Dame circles, the inner, the inner sanctum of Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't think he got to just choose whoever he wanted. Um, But as I said earlier, it's like, this is, it's almost like an in-house hire. That's not Um, yeah. In some ways it's it's an in-house hire, but better than an in-house hire. And like, I think it's an excellent, excellent choice. And somebody that Swarbrick and Jenkins are familiar with. Right. And if not them, who should be picking the AD at at Notre Dame? What, what, what makes sense? Who, who, who would be qualified? Jack Brandon, the chair of the board of trustees. Like that doesn't, you got to work for that with that person, but I think I would want somebody a little, you know, day to day involved in the university. And like the Jack Swarbrick, like this time between July 1st and what the first quarter of next year. So we could be Mm -hmm. talking about nine months, like, that's great. You want to be working with somebody that you want to work with for nine months uh, before the transition is officially. Official. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't think we can emphasize that en- enough. And oh, you I thought it was smooth, huge. Yeah, yeah. The smooth transition, you know, I mean, he does not have a D experience, but this guy, this, you don't think this guy's going to adapt in a heartbeat. I mean, come on, he will, but that's that six months or however long it will be is extremely important. Um, it, the press release said he would be there July 1. Jack Swarbrick told me middle of July. So I, I would imagine that middle of July is a, is more updated. But that that's hugely significant uh, in the transition. 
And a question from Martin Evenfall. Looking back, what was Swarbrick's best decision that impacted the athletic department? And what was one thing you wish he would have done but didn't accomplish? Well, I mean, the one thing we wish he would have done but will not ultimately accomplish would be a quicker update on the Goog when... So it was 2019, right, when they had to get the Irish Athletics Complex finished because they absolutely needed it. I think there could have been, I think the goo could have come along in this span, in this four years, even though it lost a year and a half to COVID. I think that played I think the goo could have been updated a long time ago. Well, I mean, his response is we don't have the funding. The funding is not complete. Now you can see, you can. You I'm not, can, I'm not going to say that's impossible, but I'm saying, I think that well, he could have made the funding be complete. I think that would be the re- it's also one thing I wish he would have done, but didn't accomplish. And I wish that that would have happened because <laughs> well, I have no I, ability that, to do it myself. That that I agree with. And I wouldn't have had to spend, you know, 15 or 45 minutes on the Goog the other day, but it was necessary. And hey, look, that's what our constituency wants to know about. And so I spent more time on that than anything else. And so that will be addressed in, in a story. Pete? I, I mean, I would, I would agree with O'Malley. I'm trying to think of something different. Um in terms yeah. of like the facilities and upgrading that. And it's like, I, I just want to be like, Notre Dame's facilities are not bad. Um, like that's not true, but they definitely are not sort of fitting with where college football is in 2023. And Swarbrick has admitted this, like when the Google was built, it was not done with like analysts and senior offensive interns and everyone needing an office. Like they just, they've outgrown it. Um, and I think, you know, some, some of that is just square footage. Some of that is like university culture where, you know, you don't want the players sequestered away seven days a week, 52 yep. weeks a year. Um, they like them interacting with the student body. So I can understand that part of it. Um, best decision that impacted the athletic department. Who? Um, I don't, I don't know what I would choose for that. I would, this is not his best decision, but I'm saying it, I'm just noting it as an impactful and important one. And that was retaining Brian Kelly in 2016. Oh, because I think that sort of set the football program up into like the very consistent place that it is now. <laughs> um, and I realize retaining Brian Kelly is not what people want to hear when like best decision, but like it was a really good decision that yeah. yeah and a hard one gone a too. different way. It was actually a better decision than the hiring of him almost. I think the hiring of him is was such a no-brainer. It's a like, no-brainer, yeah. Well, the decision that, to keep that, him that really was, is a weird, a weird to me, a weird part of Sorbrick's legacy is like in 16 years, he will have hired two football coaches and two basketball coaches total. And we don't know if three of them are like like what their long-term track record right. is here. With regard to the facilities, and he stressed this to me, it'll be in our story. You know, and you and you understand his reaction to it. I'm talking about the Goog, and he said, you know, there are three major structures in athletics. It's Nordame Stadium, Irish Athletic Center, and the Goog. Two of the three are state of the art. I mean, I the, the Irish Athletic Center is awesome. I just left yeah. there today, actually. He's you know, he said, you know, NFL scouts come in and say, Man, I wish. I wish we had this facility. So that's definitely state of the art. The stadium, good Lord. I mean, I realize there's a lot to the stadium that isn't football related, but the facility itself is, is you get state the of the art sunburn at that press box, man. State of the art sunburn. <laughs> there, there is that since they uh, switched sides so that the sun would shine in. <laughs> you notice how little that has affected us though. That means there's no sun in South Bend after sep- the first game of September, because we never have the sun in our, remember the first time we we're like, this is terrible Best thing about night games. Yeah. <laughs> Can't see a thing. So, you know, the when we say facilities, we, we have to be clear in saying that the Goog is what is lacking. The other two are outstanding. Yes, should Notre Dame have outstanding facilities in all phases? Yes, they should. But uh, in this instance, because of various reasons, they haven't caught up in in that one. As far as greatest accomplishments, uh, I wouldn't have thought Brian Kelly, but I agree with you, Pete. I mean, that was a prudent um, 
difficult decision. Difficult. It was a a difficult decision, but it was prudent. And I think that Jack Swarbrick, when you when you put together the list of things that he's accomplished, being prudent is right at the top of that list. But um, I still I still look at well, you got to consider where Nordame was when the Big East was collapsing, and 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 the deal that they got with the ACC full participation except for football and hockey. Then when the pandemic hit, the relationship was so good that you were able to be a part of the ACC, a full member of the ACC in football when you needed, when you desperately needed to be. So I would, I would say ACC. And the other thing, and Pete, I know I, I've always given Jack Swarbrick more credit for this than, than you have. And I think most people, but his handling of the Notre Dame athletic department, along with Brian Kelly during the pandemic, I thought was absolutely exceptional. Um, he promoted patience when the ACC wasn't being real patient as the yeah. Big Ten Pac-12 were delaying. He promoted patience, and it turned out with that patience, another couple extra weeks, things worked out. And, Nor- and Notre Dame, and this is where I give Brian Kelly credit, his team was so ready to play in 2020. I'm not sure very many programs were as ready to play in 2020 because of everything that we were dealing with with the pandemic. The unique thing about Swarbrick promoting patience is that's what regular people like us were saying about the Big Ten and everybody canceling. Like, Why are you canceling your season now? That doesn't make any sense. It seemed right. like you could keep pushing it back. And for the, it was such a common man decision that was made at such a higher level that we can't comprehend how it worked out. But it was simply, wait, no, you don't have to cancel your season right now. That doesn't make any sense for you to cancel things now. And the best part about going to the ACC and being accepted as Notre Dame for one year is how irrationally mad it made other people's, other programs' fans. They really hated that. And to clarify, they didn't they didn't totally cancel. They ended up playing half a dozen games. But they, right. they canceled at one point. But they canceled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When Notre Dame said we're gonna play like the <laughs> Big Ten and Pac 12 had already said that we're not. Yeah. Um, like, so yeah, I mean, and I like Tim, I agree with you. All those are like more impactful than retaining your football coach in 2016 after they went four and eight. I just I mentioned that more as like that's kind of an underrated, really important decision. I agree. Uh, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Totally agree. Very underrated. Uh, and it kept continuity in an area where everybody on the outside has places virtually zero value on continuity. But if you've ever been part of or in and around a program of this immensity, continuity is absolutely huge. And I, you know, I don't, if you change coaches, you change everything. And they probably they don't win sixty three games in six years. I realize Nor is Marcus that, Freeman, your head coach, right now, right? And I realize that you know I always I always come back to the number of wins over that time, and you know it's like oh well there weren't any big wins. Yes, there were big wins, not as many as you would like, but there were big wins in there. And all they did was beat the teams that they should beat. Well, Marcus Freeman wasn't able to do that last year, and you take for granted when a Look, you're not you're not in the playoffs if you don't beat the teams you should beat. And Brian Kelly did that. Should he have won more big games? Certainly. I mean, that certainly that's the expectation. Um, but I think that's an insightful call on your part there, Pete. Uh, last one from Kev Kev five sixty one. Changing the subject. Are there any other high profile commitments we can expect from st- before the start of the season? Expect? I don't know about expect. I, say, you, uh, I mean, is, is is Bronte Johnson high profile enough? For this I have question? him. I have him on my list of four. Okay. Who are your other three? You he go. is for me. That's the one I'm thinking. Well, the other three are just based upon rating. As I was going through the ratings, Justin Scott, Elijah Rushing, and Gerby Gerby Lambert. Lambert. I feel like Scott and Rushing are gonna. Well, I guess there could be a commitment that doesn't. I I don't. I, just July has nothing to do with one of them? commitment. I mean, it yeah. would be a win if you could get one of them, right? A huge, huge win. Uh, are, you, are you talking about Scott and rushing? Scott and rushing yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, one one would be a huge win. Um, because I'm not saying that I'm baking Bronte Johnson and Gerby Lambert into the class, but I kind of am. Um, one's from Indiana, and the other one like couldn't be more Notre Dame if he tried. So, I think those are guys that they'll close on, and then. Again, Notre Dame's sort of down to a position. How how are we going to talk about this class on National Signing Day? Will probably come down to whether Justin Scott is in it or not. 
I think they, I, I mean, I think they've got a decent chance of getting three of those four. I think they have I a agree. great chance of getting two of those four. A much greater chance a, of two of the four in, a, in the end, but I think that yeah. they could get three of the four too as well. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, very athletic department focused here today. I would imagine it will change a little bit next week when we get back together. And that will be on, um, it'll be on Tuesday. Sorry, our schedules are kind of popping around here a little bit, but that will be on uh, Tuesday, June 20th, right, Tim? Am I getting yeah. that right? That's absolutely right. We have a interview with Marcus Freeman that day too. We're going to have to. It might be on Wednesday. Uh, what the interview or the podcast? podcast. No, hey, Marcus I have a, Freeman interview during a, our podcast time. I have a haircut on Wednesday, man. We can't change it. That's what I'm looking at right <laughs> now. No, we'll do it. It'll be Tuesday. It'll be Tuesday, June 20th. We'll likely record a little bit later than yeah. normal. O'Malley and I will uh, have an audience with Marcus Freeman. At least that's the way it's scheduled right now. And until then, Charlie got a picture with Marcus Freeman today. Have you not, Tim? Have you learned nothing about teasing future interviews on this podcast? Yeah, I was going to say this. Is, this is a problem. We will talk to Marcus Freeman uh, right before the Navy game. Now, this is great. <laughs> I'm a, I was uh, born a name dropper. I can't help myself. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back next week on Tuesday, June twentieth. Thank you for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Looking for a perfect afternoon getaway outside of Dublin City? Explore Dunleary and many other places with the Do Dublin Freedom Card. Get a 72-hour pass for public transport services including bus, dart, train and the tram line known as the Lewis. Plus, you'll receive a 48-hour ticket for Dublin's best hop-on, hop-off city tour. Book your Freedom Card now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated and enjoy the freedom to explore.